Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mulder, and we are brought to you, as always, by our good friends over at Wilson Volleyball, and it was just their 20th anniversary uh, of the, the Castaway Wilson Volleyball. Try, I saw that you, you, yeah. just, you found one out in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, just floated <laughs> up on the beach. <laughs> it was funny seeing all the Instagram stuff. Stafford's is still taking the cake, but I, I, I thought that was a great promo. Thing that yeah, they he did. goes for it. Stafford always goes all in. I didn't get my ball in time for the promo, actually, because <laughs> I'm out here in Hawaii. Everything takes long. I was gonna take that thing out to sea, but uh, <laughs> it didn't. It didn't happen. But yeah. is, isn't it crazy that Wilson sells those balls still every holidays? Like those Wilson castaway balls are like top sellers. It's and it's wow. so everyone just loves it's like the signature. Years ago, the movie came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, but we have joining us. We're doing a, a, a triple coast thing again. We got on over on the east coast is Miss Pre Lima. Pre, how are we? Good, good. It's late, but I'm here for you guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. We appreciate you staying up for us here. Um, you mentioned sure. before we were talking that uh, you've been busy with work, which uh, and this year is is a pretty good sign. Um, so what's keeping you busy uh, this Christmas season? Well, I own a beach volleyball. I call training service over here in Florida called Opsman Beach. And honestly, we've been so blessed because since COVID, when things started reopening, everybody flocked like to the beach. So we've had our best numbers. I started opening new locations, more groups, and we retained them. So it's been super awesome. And on top of that, during COVID, we started, since COVID started, we started um, another location in New York that I'm co-owner. Really? And I have my first my first franchise in tennessee oh wow the people who owned um vala's beach okay so awesome so that has been i i mean all throughout COVID, i can't complain yeah it's been a great year (laughs) that's so cool how did you get one going in new york of all places like that's not the first place that I, i figured you'd say you know maybe on the panhandle or something closer to florida but you went straight up the coast well, that was kind of like um, one of my former players. She also played college for my wife over here. I've been coaching her since she was 14. She used to travel from New York once a month for me to train her on a longer weekend okay. until she made it through college. And she decided to come play for Michelle anyway. And then now that she, she, she has been done with college, she went back home to do medical school. And she was like, I just want to have an optimum over here. I was like, let's do it. And we have it. So that's awesome. It's been awesome. It's been growing too. And we just, uh, we just closed a deal with um, an indoor facility that they have over there in the summer. So the girls will be able to train all year round. Oh, really cool. That was my next question was going to be where, where they go in, in New York. Um, Cause I know it's, it's a big place, but not obviously not known for beaches. <laughs> so yeah. that's cool though. They, they, they are like around, it's called Rockaway beach, Long Island. And then they're going to have this um, endless summer indoor facility where they would be able to train I mean, so awesome during the winter times. Yeah, that's really cool. And so you have your place. Uh, do you always train at in a golf court? In, uh, no, in- uh, we go St. Pete, downtown St. Pete. There are some courts called North Shore. That's where Shore, I, we ran into yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah. And then I have a location north of Clearwater called Palm Harbor and two locations in Tampa, north of Tampa. Okay, gotcha. That's a lot. You're busy. I see, I see it now. And it yeah. looked like uh, you have such a you had such a fun group out there because do you have all different age groups or do you work like mostly with college kids? So m- me myself, like I would I would coach women's open, 
and then I have a pick back, like back to back, uh, my men's AA, and then I coach my high level juniors, the ones that you got seen. Okay, yeah, they were see. they were good. They're super fun. Today I put them to play fours for the first time. At first they're like, oh, I don't know, and then they're like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, that would be me. But we have little big spikers, which is six, seven through eleven. Okay. And then we have, you know, beginners, juniors, intermediate, advanced juniors, and all throughout with other coaches. Okay. So you're, you're coaching them all. Have you, have you thought about uh, coaching? Well, I mean, cause you're still playing. So I feel like that would be a hard balance. I'm say, are you I'm still not playing anymore? Not playing anymore? No. Right, well, I always enjoyed. I don't I, look like a player. I play, but I don't look like I'll I was. Say, I, Marie, I watched you carving them up in Florida. No. <laughs> That's just I had like thousands and thousands of hours I had of you know the girls that are they're younger than me but yeah and can't sustain the training to perform at a high level anymore yeah I feel like it's it's kind of beneficial that you coach so much because that's a lot of reps you're getting just like serving balls hitting down balls <laughs> yeah the other day I was here I was like oh my god I was teaching like base defense and controlling and whatever I was like I think I just did like over 100 squats <laughs> <laughs> no kidding yeah coaching could be tiring <laughs> yeah that will be going up for sure <laughs> what'd you say try i said that's why i don't i get too tired just standing around is harder for me than it is playing i feel like more mm -hmm. mentally engaging yeah that's definitely how um once i was still kind of trying to play okay. again and i was coaching full-time i started having injuries because of i couldn't recover from standing on my feet so much. Yeah, that's why like, I was telling Delaney, like whenever I see a cashier at Vons or something, I'm like, I just want to get him a stool or a chair because I know how hard it is just to stand there all day. It's tough. But I like it. You don't feel it when you're doing it. It's so much fun. Yeah. I mean, you saw my, my girls are fun. Everybody have great people in every group I have. It, it's effortless to be out there. Like it's so nice. Yeah. But so you you said that you're you're done playing or you claim to be done playing even though you played pretty well in Florida um, and it wasn't that long ago I remember watching I, I thought you and Fallon were such a fun team to watch when you played uh, you played Delaney and Emily Hartong in uh, the qualifier out in Seattle I oh, love watching yeah. you guys yeah just good banter and uh, you just looked like you have a ton of fun out there but um, so you're kind of shifting that focus away from playing though huh mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been coaching full-time for the past five years. Okay. And then try to maintain some playing. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm coaching. Now I'm coaching girls that play on the qualifier. So I go with them, you know, and I get to play and see. And then I started qualifying. I was like, oh, maybe I can qualify more often. And so I yeah. kept on playing more. Okay. But, it's, yeah, definitely with Fallon. It's really cool. It was really cool playing with her because not a lot of people know. But I've I met Fallon when she was 16. She really? walked up, yeah, she walked up in my, um, um, my, my access gym in Manhattan beach. And she was like, I just committed to USC and never worked out. <laughs> and that's when I met her. She would come and watch, you know, like AVP and she got to watch me play. And then, you know, and then we got to play together. Oh, so it was sure. really like genuine raw. Like we could just be ourselves with each other and, yeah. and she's tough. So it was awesome. Yeah. You know, like, so. And there's always, and there's always, it, obviously above everything, like respect, mm -hmm. you know? So it was, it's just a good end, fire, fire. And it, and because there was respect, it wasn't like friction. It was yeah. just more fire. 
<laughs> well, it worked out. I thought you guys were a blast to watch. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, every, I love it. Every sim that Fallon's played on has had a lot of fun. <laughs> At least from what I've seen. <laughs> yeah. Her and Nicolette were fun when they uh, they were playing together. And Nicolette, dude, she has no shortage of energy either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, so, I mean, you've been playing for a long time. And every time we kind of have a coach who's sort of like a player coach, um, and I meant that as a compliment that you've been playing for a long time. Um, every time we have kind of a, a coach on who's making that transition or has made it, I'm always so curious is if it was tough for you to start being less of a player, more of a coach, or if because you had done, had so much experience and you had such a successful career, like looking at your 2015 season on the NVL is like, she lost one match the whole year. It's crazy. But like, what was that transition like for you? And, or actually, is it kind of still happening? Is it a present tense transition? Yeah, I kind of like, I got to retire from Brazil and then came back over here and then the AVP went under. So it kind of like transferred me to the NVL when they were coming back. And so that to me was another transition to like, I'm not playing super duper high level, you know, um, and then getting out of NVL and being, uh, and this whole time I'm coaching. And then, you know, and then I was like, am I going to play? Am I not going to play? And then I was like, I'm not going to play. And then I started traveling and I was like, oh, I'm going to sign up. I got a good partner. And yeah. then I qualified. I was like, well, maybe I'll play a little more. <laughs> so it's been this like back and forth, but I really feel like obviously I'm turning 41. I really, you know, we really want to start our family. And I am coaching like this is 1000% like my full-time job. And it's harder as you get older to stay in shape. So it's hard. Like I, I was already like, maybe I'll just do 50% of the AVPs this year. And then COVID yeah. hit. I was like, okay, I retire. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> I feel like you're the one volleyball player who was like, thank you, COVID. You made this the easiest decision for me possible. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And it's still hard, but like I miss it, but I just love it. I know that like for my bucket to be full, I love that feeling of training so hard and being exhausted yeah. so I figure it out like that that's some and then and thankfully I'm in Florida so I can play all these little open tournaments over here yeah and, you, and we have like... competitive competitive teams so I'll be able to you know still try something hard and I love that I love being challenged so yeah. I'd rather fail at a high level than succeed at a lower level right I like that and I feel like Florida you guys have tournaments like every weekend every time I hop on Instagram Kim Hildress like oh we played another one this weekend and another mm -hmm. one, like, geez. Yeah, we have so many awesome um, local tours. And between here and the east coast of Florida, for us, a four-hour drive, and we hop in the car and we're ready to go. We're fortunate. That's one of the funnier parts of Florida is that, you know, everyone kind of associates the Florida volleyball scene together. But everyone's so spread apart. You know, you have your St. Pete's and Tampa crew, and then you have your kind of east – florida crew and then you have mm -hmm. the, the south florida and then you have the little bit that's on the panhandle yeah. um and kind of in the louisiana um and that side of things it's funny because like california everyone's just bunched together like mm -hmm. if you're down in huntington beach like 45 minutes away it's like oh he lives way too far away. so can't, far can't go practice there. <laughs> so spoiled <laughs> <laughs> we are super spoiled yeah but um how have you liked kind of we, me and Kim Hildreth have had this little debate going on between, you know, Florida and California and, and you've done both. Um, so how have you kind of liked uh, living in Florida and California? Cause you did a little bit of your career in, in both sides. Yeah. Well, 
you know, when I, I lived in Louisiana in the beginning, like That's for right. the first few years of my uh, career. So I didn't get to move to Florida until I was more established. You know, we were making the, the right amount of money and I got picked up by a veteran and, you know, that was top five. So that was the time to move to California. So when I got there, I already knew everybody, um, you know, had lost a one or whatever and developed relation, uh, relationships. And it was awesome. I mean, that's all you want. You know, that was the dream. Go to California, play, practice, you know, everybody like top of the crop over there. Like I'll, I tell everybody, I was like, we had 32 main team, uh, 32 main draw teams, but top, top eight had nine Olympians. <laughs> on the women's side. Like you don't, you know what I mean? What are you playing for? Like everybody around our level at that time, we played for fifth. The semifinals were taken. Yeah. If you, so it was was, awesome. What was that like to play in that era where you mentioned like, like you're playing for fifth. I mean, as a player, I mean, it seems that in retrospect, you've, you've accepted it, but, but was it just kind of accepted when, even when you were playing that if you take fifth, you pretty much won your tournament. Well, Looking back at the time, I didn't think like that because otherwise you're probably going right. to fail even worse because you think, oh, I'm just going to go for fifth. Like you go to see, you know, like you snooze, you lose, I'm ready. Yeah. But if you think about it, it was obviously Misty and Carrie, EY. Um, when I started, it was EY and Holly. So then it was EY, Nicole, Holly, whoever she played with. Um, Jenny and Eddie, also always in the semifinals. So it was really hard to bust through fifth. Yeah. Um, I, I was I was able to make my first my first semifinals in two thousand nine with a veteran Tachi Minello, but it was like, whoa, you know, <laughs> incredible. So um, it was it was hard because, but at the same time, you mature so fast because you only beat because you earned it. You know, nowadays mm-hmm. there are a lot of young players, so there's a lot of like, very on the on the. Um, on the results where you're so consistent, like if you're getting there, you're becoming consistent as well. Because those, you know, the veterans, the Olympians, they don't give you easy points. They like, we're playing 221. They're not yeah. losing focus. They're not like upset. They, nothing. So it, you had, you all, you had to grow, you had to mature and you had to earn it. Yeah. I feel like that's such a good atmosphere and environment to bring the best out of everyone. Like, do you think that it being that competitive, forced you to be the player who then ran the NVL in 2015? <laughs> Absolutely. Because by the time I went to the NVL, I had already played full-time in Brazil as well. And um, I was able to get a semifinals podium finishes in Brazil. So when I got to the NVL, I wasn't training full-time anymore. It was hard. Less tournaments, less money. You have to figure out how to make money all the way. So I started coaching even more and doing other things. Okay. But the experience, you know, like I said, I was, I used to, maybe fail at a higher level or in the NVL, it was pretty easy to maintain a high level. If I failed, it was probably because I couldn't train as much, not as much as in shape as I used to be. And there's nothing I could do about it. It was just a transition, another, you know, transition that was happening in my life. Yeah. And I know the, uh, the Brazil tour is, is going on right now and I've been keeping up with it a little bit. Um, how is that tour? I've never, obviously I've never been able to get over there and, and watch it and play in it, but I mean, it, it looks awesome. It's great. Uh, very well organized. Um, I was telling some, some girls over here, they, um, main draw players get, um, 
most of them get their flights and everybody gets hotel. So it's awesome. You don't worry much about how to get to, to tournaments or that's where to cool. stay. Uh, <laughs> price money is pretty good. Very, I remember a third was maybe nine grand. Okay. You know, nine grand. A, is that split or per player? Per player. Whew. Okay. That's like winning a four star now. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, I don't know nowadays their prize money, but you know, uh, I think I retired from Brazil in 2014 or something like that. Okay. It was still pretty good. So you, you know, I don't know. Um, there are more investment in paying, paying sponsors, you know, when you're a little more established. So I was able to maintain top five since once I got to Brazil, cause I started my pro career here out of college and then I didn't go to Brazil until 10 years after I came to the U.S. to play. Really? You know, go visit and stuff. So when I had my best season with Achiminello that we finished third on the AVP overall as a team, she said, you got to go to Brazil. Like, you're probably right now one of the tallest players. We didn't have, you know, those big old giraffes. They, they're fine you now. <laughs> but, um, so I was like, okay, if you're telling me, I don't know. I never played in Brazil, you know. And, and growing up and knowing, you know, how we – we idolize our idols yeah. and the high level is high level is unattainable. So to tell, have someone that told me you can play over here. I was like, I don't know. I'm going to trust what you say. Let's see what happens. And then it was really cool. In fact, my first tournament in Brazil, she couldn't register. And then another like newcomer promise could her partner couldn't register because she was sick. I, they ended up partnering us up. We met and we got a third Against we we be Maria and Carol Carol, um, in the bronze medal match for third, and it was Tayana Lima her first podium. Oh, so you you were Tayana Lima's first partner. <laughs> first podium partner. Mm -hmm. That is not bad. Yeah, that was. I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, I can play this. Okay, yeah. so let's let's plan how do I get to do this and AVP, because somehow in my mind I was like, I don't want to leave America. I've always loved it over here from yeah. the moment. From the second semester I got here, not the first. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, they're different seasons, right? So the AVP Brazil does kind of a winter, early spring season, and then you go right into it's perfect. Summer. It's yeah. fall and spring, and over here we're in the summer. Okay, that's so money. I have to play all year round, four or five years. That's a lot on the body, though. Were you able to sustain that? Yes. So you. Another thing that we talk about is like programming, right? With Brazilians, the coaches, they're so good at programming your, your reps, your quantity, your volume, your intensity. So if you practice, let's say you have a tournament and you play on Friday, um, Thursday you travel, Monday you don't jump, but you might have a second day you go in for serve. I mean, a second practice you go in for serve, then Tuesday, Thursday, you know, they just manage every, everything you do. So you see people playing forever, like Larissa, you don't see her with injuries. You didn't see Juliana with injuries. You don't see Talita with injuries. You don't see, you know what I mean? Like you just don't see players with injuries much in Brazil because the programming for everybody's training is incredible. It's the best thing ever. So I really didn't have any, any injuries until I started coaching full-time. <laughs> and standing, it'll catch you. Yep. <laughs> My shoulder too, like I, I have a tear on my shoulder. What do you but... think it is? Hmm? Oh, sorry. I think my uh, audio is lagging here, but <laughs> it is about the coaches out in Brazil that 
that allows their players to stay healthy. It's specific, like, is involved in the weight room. Every, and, and how many coaches are out there? I feel like there's in Brazil. There's like 10 coaches at one practice. Yeah, so um, yeah, I saw you guys coaching to Angie, and she was talking Angie Acres, and she was talking to you guys about that too. So when when I played, and I wasn't the top by no means, I had a coach, an assistant coach, and then we call arms. We had two guys that were arms to run drills, play against (laughs) us, and stuff. We also had a ball shagger. Somebody would pay monthly just to be our ball shagger. So drills don't stop when you're done. It's not because we're too good to. To shag balls, it's just we you're here, just worry about your game. Right. So they all talk. The uh, strength strength and conditioning coach works for the coach. He hires him, or you bring like I had mine coming from America. It was a little different, so they get it. It's fine. But I also did all the conditioning and did with them. Um, then players hire their nutritionist or functional nutritionist. Uh, they have a psych coach that stays with them and work with them separately and together and they come to practice and they watch everything so it's the professionalism is huge it's huge and then everybody sees like a pt and massage therapist and they just do their treatments once a week you're getting everything done and then on top of that i know brazilian coaches go through huge trainings on their certifications includes hours of training and it's very detailed and they talk about sports physiology and all that stuff. So incredible. It's incredible (laughs) the way it's awesome. And I love the mix, you know, I love the mix that I I was able to be an athlete and learn from my coaches, but also same, same thing over here, an athlete and learn from my coaches and putting together what I learned in America and what I learned in Brazil, but definitely what makes a difference is training. So now I have three, three, maybe four players that have been with me five to six years. And as the, as you know, now they can play all year long in Florida, no injuries. That's awesome. I was about to say that's got to be super valuable for you as a coach because you played, well, I know you played indoor in college in, in Louisiana, but you played professionally in America and you got the, uh, the super like 10 coach training in Brazil. Um, what do you like? You had to have taken a lot away from your experience in brazil like what did you try to bring back specifically like i'm sure if if your athletes aren't getting hurt i'm sure that you took a lot away from their load management um we were just laughing with karch about last week and <laughs> they would train like eight hours a day he's like i don't think that's recommended anymore <laughs> yeah no i know they they might have like let's say if you have a five day a week training um they might put you to do six to eight sessions but the the, the other sessions might be an hour long. It might be no jumping. It might be just technical handwork on your block without jumping with a lower net. It might be hand setting. Um, one session could be just serving, you know. Um, so that, I mean, the way I train in terms of planning their reps, how much they jump, you know, the intensity um, that they, they will jump is, is a lot of transition. It's just like a little side hour. They have more breaks. So all that plays into weekly planning, monthly planning yearly planning so um that is probably the biggest takeaway that i got from brazil to be a better coach okay and i mean i kind of like what's the cost of that training like in brazil because that there are so many people is it like super expensive or is some of it like kind of uh subsidized by the federation 
So for you, to, your coaching staff, you hire the coach. So you're going to pay the coach um, a monthly salary, okay. but also percentage of your earnings after expenses because it keeps them um, motivated. The better you do, the more money right. they make. Uh, same thing for your um, strength and conditioning coach. That's okay. a vital person in your life too. Um, and they can lose interest, right? They could be like, yeah, you know, just give you whatever. Yeah. Um, and then you pay a monthly, we call training centers, you know, like we have our core where nobody shows up because everybody knows we train there. So you pay monthly for your training center. So let's say you have two to four athletes that share that core, not necessarily times all the time, even like two teams. So we pay, we pay like 500, 500 AIs at that time, um, every month for the training center. So combined was a thousand to 2000. So the coach can pay his assistant coaches. Okay. Okay. So that could run up a tab pretty quick. If, uh, if the tour, but is not, if you, not if you're performing, yeah. you know, if you're performing at a tour that is giving you money or if you have enough, enough, um, stops like we had back then, back then we played, uh, I, try i think you got you you started when we had like 16 to 18 tournaments a year you know like now there's eight yeah. you had 16 times chances because you you're traveling you're making the money or you're making a little bit more money and you also had more times to chances to get better where right now you're like nearly impossible if you're starting it's like you have to get better eight times you only have eight tests in the whole year to get better yeah, that's what uh, I feel like. That's what you got to like about Florida's schedule. Even though obviously the events like aren't paying out a ton, you get to play so many tournaments. That's such a good. They get thing. to apply. Yeah, they get to apply what they learn, which is really good. So a lot of the Florida living pros, and luckily we have really good level for women's level now. So they re it's really good that they get to apply what they train. So when they go to the AVP they might start in the bottom, but like I had a girl that she, she never played an AVP and she, she made two to three rounds and made her second one. She made a round to get in. That's pretty good. Who, and that's uh, because good training. And then also like being able to apply over here before she gets to a bigger stage. Yeah. I think we got to have uh, man, I wish the AVP would go back to Florida. Cause like the community out there is so big. It's it'd be, awesome. It'd be I mean, because there's so many players out there who would probably love to play qualifiers, but they got to travel so far to play in them. Yeah. So going back to what you asked. So for me, when I went to California, it was the beginning of my high level career. So it was like, perfect. Unicorns yeah. and rainbows. Everything was like, wow, <laughs> this is the moment, you know? And then coming to Florida towards either because the AVP went under and they just starting and, or, not playing as high level or competing or preparing, it was perfect. So, and it's not because at that time, Florida wasn't as consistent as, as high level where now, obviously you have Kim and Sarah, you have, you know, Bria Aurora have gone, uh, have gone uh, FIVB gold medal on one star. You have Katie Hogan and Megan who um, went to the finals on the AVP. So you have people that have been successful. So they tough competition and you can play them every weekend. Yes. So it's really good for like, there are more people coming over here and it's easier on your pocket. It, for sure. <laughs> Is Megan Rice still playing? I haven't seen her name in, uh, in tournaments in a while. 
Yeah. Well, I think she, she has a big girl job. So okay. if she's not going to make money playing, I don't think she's going to ask time off to play. Right. But she's, I'm unsure. She's one of those real people. <laughs> what is a real job? <laughs> not too many of them out here in the sport. <laughs> How's it going, Sandcast peeps? Just wanted to take a quick break in the show to let you know about a holiday savings opportunity presented to you by our friends over at Wilson Sporting Goods. Here's the deal. You buy two OPTX, also known as Optics Beach Volleyballs, you get one 35% off. Basically, if you spend $100 on volleyball, basketball, football, or soccer products, you'll receive a 35% off coupon in the new year. An Optics Volleyball right now is $64.99. So if you buy two, you get a 35% off coupon emailed to you in January. Solid deal there from our pals over at Wilson, so get on it. And uh, hook your friends up with a volleyball or two. All right, back to the show. We're not going back to the show just yet. I have a word from one more of our sponsor. This one from Kamena Outdoor. Uh, Dave Kamena is a longtime volley enthusiast. He is a huge supporter of the game. So for that reason alone, you should support Kamena Outdoor. Uh, but for another legitimate reason is that he makes some of the best backpacks in beach volleyball. He's been working on this thing for 17 years, making modifications to make it the best backpack possible. Delaney has one. It's sitting in the closet right next to me. It's fantastic. It has all these perfect pockets for your sunscreen, for your volleyball, for your extra board shorts or bikinis, whatever it may be. I highly recommend the Kamena Outdoor Backpack. It makes for a fantastic Christmas present, and it's one of those backpacks where you only have to buy one. You can buy the really cheap ones that are made in China and they only last like six months or a year before the sun beats them up and the rain takes them down. But the Kamena Outdoor Backpack is perfect for beach volleyball because it lasts forever, literally forever. So head out to Kamena Outdoor and get a great Christmas present for the beach volleyball enthusiast. And now back to the show. Now, Priya, so did I read correctly that you played handball in your first year in college in Brazil? Not college, uh, high school. High school, okay. Do you guys call high school university? No. Or Okay. Um, so you were a handball player because I know Brandy Wilkerson played rugby. It's funny well, to see, like, it's funny to see the different sports that people play. Um, yeah. But they, I'm, I'm, he was like, you're tall, I want you. And then we knew, I knew how to do a slide approach, and that's a perfect slide to throw. And he was like, <laughs> this is awesome, you're in. <laughs> I love it as translate from other sports. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was actually, fun fact, I was actually a, a dancer. I used to dance before I played volleyball. I danced until I was 15. Okay. And did all types of dancing. Like, uh, so what's the, what is it, what's the popular dance in Brazil? What's not popular dancing in Brazil? Okay. I like, I like that answer. <laughs> I danced to everything, but like I did like what people do, like ballet, jazz. And then I did like, um, my my major thing my thing was that most of my rehearsals were on flamenco dance the one from spain with the castanholas and tapping at the same time okay so i did that like it was super cool and then i, I went to one volleyball class and i was like i love volleyball <laughs> see ya <laughs> sucked you in yep <laughs> so you played indoor and i know you went to louisiana lafayette um how one thing I'm curious about is the international sort of recruiting system. Like how did you, of all schools, how did you find Louisiana at Lafayette, <laughs> the raging Cajuns? <laughs> so, um, well, 
what happened was um, <laughs> the assistant coach in Lafayette played club for my club coach in Brazil. Okay. So she called me. It's like, hey, we need some. She went. She played and became an assistant coach. She goes, we need some Brazilians. Do you know anybody? And then at the end of a practice, we're like, okay, see you tomorrow. Was a, I mean, see you Monday. It was a Friday. I remember. I don't know why I remember this. And he goes, oh, I forgot to talk to you guys. There's this. I got a call. There's this opportunity. Like play volleyball in the United States at this school. You know, oh, you get to go to school too. Anybody interested? And I look at my that time my team is. We'll go. <laughs> I went home. I was like, Mom, I volunteered to go to the United States and play volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> and then they wanted a, oh, my gosh. they I didn't know anything about recruiting, right? My wife is a college coach. Yeah. I know all the budgeting now. I, I was like, I don't know how the heck we ended up getting to Louisiana. Like, <laughs> I had no idea. Like, you need to have film. You need to do this. They try to ask us. It was 1998. Like, who had – we don't have a – Right. You know, a recorder like back then was like that. I was like, we're poor. Like, we don't have all this money. We found like a friend of a friend of a cousin of a friend, whatever, and gave us the camera. And it was like, what is a recruiting take? Nobody explained anything to us. Yeah. So it was like, well, let's just like set each other, like warm up hitting, set each other on all three positions. Um, we did like digging. <laughs> we did digging and then we're like passing, serving. And then we're like, what else would they want? let's show them we can shoulder roll so we toss the ball and go. <laughs> that is my no kidding that's my recruiting tape right there oh, i would love to get a hold of that tape <laughs> me too I, I can't find it i can't find it i'm gonna ask again maybe somebody still has it but uh so i joked i told the angels i go somehow they thought we were good enough for d1 over here so we came who uh who all did you go with you, you mentioned we uh uh, me and a, and a teammate from Brazil, we came together. Okay. I feel like that probably helped that you had a friendly face going with you. Definitely. I'm pretty outgoing. It was awesome. But at that time I left my family when my brother was six months old, we're 20 years apart. And that was really tough for me. Okay. I was going to ask how uh, you mentioned, you told your mom, like, I'm going to the U S to play volleyball. How, how'd your parents take it? That's, that's a long way. I know my mom's like, what? I was like, why well, get to, because, okay. So in Brazil, by the time you're 17, you know, if you're going to make pro or not, there's no college and then pro Okay, is 17 and under 19 and under pro. So when you're like 17, 18, you have an idea. I was a middle, I was obviously like not as tall as most middles. Um, not as athletic, never been a super high jumper. So I knew I wasn't going to make it indoor. So I was like, this is a great opportunity. Then I get a degree. And then I got over here. I was like, Oh, you have to pass your classes to be eligible. I was like, I'll study, you know, I had no idea. <laughs> But um, it was just a, an opportunity. Uh, when I left Brazil, they started to try the whole junior circuit and stuff. So me, fun fact, one of my best friends, her name is Renata. She got fourth in Beijing with Talita. Oh, wow. So at that time when we were teenagers, it was us two and another girl that we took turns playing the, the state championships for beach volleyball for juniors. And we were undefeated. Oh, wow. And then her dad was like, don't leave. You're actually getting good at this. <laughs> and then Brazilians are very honest, right? So <laughs> they don't filter anything. I was like, I know, but it's so uncertain. I was like, Hannah, can play pro. She went and she was a setter, you know, pro. And then she went to the beach. I was like, I'm not good enough for pro. So I need a better diploma so I can help my family when I get back. But then I got over here after one semester. I was like, I'm never leaving America. Really? 
I found that kind of surprising because Lafayette, Louisiana is a very different world than Brazil. You're not getting beautiful beaches out in Lafayette. What made you fall in love with it so quickly? The people. The people made it happen. I, I can't love them enough. They made such a huge difference in my life. And in fact, my, my pro career wouldn't happen without them. My first tickets were from a family um, of a player that I coach as a graduation gift to go to a tournament because I didn't have to, I didn't have money for my tickets. My second tickets, the people from Volley Beach is kind of like a, a facility with courts, kind of like they have in Baton Rouge. They have mangoes, you know, mm-hmm. oasis and all that. So Volley Beach, my Volley Beach family put money together so I could buy my tickets. Um, by, I don't know, some type of miracle as I was flying, I rarely flew out of Lafayette because it was so much more expensive. I would take a Greyhound bus to New Orleans and then fly out of New Orleans. And somehow I was flying out of Lafayette and I met the lady at the, the checking counter and uh-huh. she was asking, Oh, what do you do? I was like, Oh, I'm playing pro beach volleyball, trying, you know, whatever. She's like, you fly a lot. I was like, yeah. She was like, I never saw you. I was like, it's really expensive to fly out of here, but I got a cheap flight or whatever. And she goes, my husband and I, we don't have kids and we don't use our buddy passes. Do you want to use our buddy passes? And I go, what are buddy passes? And she goes, you will pay only $40 per trip. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. And it was literally a year and a half to two years that I, that's how I flew to my tournaments. And that's, that's probably awesome. how I made it because otherwise I don't know if I could be able to make to 16 to 18 tournaments. Yeah. That's and awesome. I, on my first round of the AVP, I only did not qualify my first one, and I was able to qualify all of them until I retired. Then I didn't. <laughs> but, um, not many people can say that, Pre, that you've only not failed to qualify one time. That's impressive. It was. Uh, I, I guess I. I don't know. I was ready when opportunity came. You know, I've always worked hard. It was something that. In Brazil, volleyball is you learn professionalism right away because clubs, you don't pay to play. There are only six or seven clubs um, in Brazil, so you're invited to play. You, you, should, you throw a tantrum, you whatever, you miss too much. They don't need you. You're out. Yeah. You know, you're special if you get to stay. So we were taught to be professional. So I've always – I kept that when I came here, you know, somehow and – I'm thankful for that, for my, my mentors in Brazil to instill that in me. I feel like that probably meshed well with just overall Southern manners. Maybe that's why you loved Louisiana so much. <laughs> I love, man, these people, but they're just like people from Rio. They, they love life. They want to celebrate. They welcome you. They embrace you. They love barbecues. They love festivals. Like, it's just good hearted people. Like, mm, I love them to death. Well, so you, you were playing in Louisiana, though, before beach volleyball was a college thing. Did you mm-hmm. keep up with beach while you were playing at Lafayette, or had you kind of made the shift to indoor, focus on that, and then reshifted back to beach once the indoor gig was, was kind of up? Well, I got to play. They, they took me to my first FUDs, you know, like when Where it I all met begins. Yeah, so I played the leagues. I ended up helping managing Volley Beach. You know, Kamal, the owner, is like a, a father to me, supported me, and helped me so much. And I would train there, like, but I would train myself, would train the upcoming guys, and they'll get good and leave me to play men's open. Yeah. But, you know, that's how I try to, <laughs> to maintain beach because I've always loved beach coming from Brazil and already training. And, yeah. 
And then all of a sudden I met someone and said, oh, at FUDS, I met this lady called Aunt Mary. And she goes, you need to go to the AVP. I was like, what is the AVP? And she goes, it's the pro tour over here. And you're good. Then you need to go. And she goes, I tell you what. In San Diego, there's a stop this year, and my family is from there. If you get your tickets, you have a place to stay, and we'll play together. And she had played on the WPVA. Okay. So I was like, okay, and that was it. I love beach volleyball. I love the people in beach volleyball. It's like, oh, I just met you, but uh, here, I got a bedroom for you if you ever want to come out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the greatest. It was awesome. (laughs) <laughs> it was so awesome. Like I said, I think every, I mean, all the hard work or preparation, you know, was met at the right time and everything happened, but without it, I would have, I would have failed. I would have failed. So it's keeping the faith. I mean, both of you, you know, like try has been established. Travis, you've been doing a great job growing your game and it's, it's all between the vision the faith, the hope, and the never give up. Like, and you maintain your standards, your work ethic, and you stay focused at the end of the line of that tunnel. Like you don't get out of it. You don't stop staring at it until you reach it. And whenever is your time, it's going to happen. Here we go, Try. One more, what, a couple more months of pushing, brother. I got a lot more than that, but yeah, you're right. Uh, one, one goal at a time. <laughs> Couldn't have put it any better. I think a lot of people forget that that your success in that moment doesn't come from that moment. It always comes from everything you've done and leading mm-hmm. up to it. Yeah. It's a, yeah, a being good. picked up was such a out of out of the blue, you know, because my partner at that time I played four or five years with Angela Lewis, and we literally started like twenty fourth team in the main draw, and we climbed all the way to ninth team in the nation. With me in Louisiana and her in California and us meeting one day prior to every tournament. <laughs> That's awesome. All we had to do was dance together 30 minutes before each match, and then we'll pepper and go play. <laughs> That's all we did. <laughs> Start trying that, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, we really um, – um, we grew together, Angela and I, so all that hard work was ready. And then when I got picked up, Tachi brought, obviously, the high-level training, the high-level mindfulness, the high-level the high level, everything that i never been. She was playing goodwill games at, the, at, at that time. Was Back then, was kind of like the world championships. You know, she played with the best of the best from Brazil. She, she is a, a, one of the best defenders. Like one of, She was voted one of the best setters in the FIVB um, once or more times. And when I got her with, you know, a coach and everything was there programmed for us to do it every day. And I had, and try, you did that with Johnny, right? You had that veteran, like, not this way, this way, one more step. You have to be ready to receive the information. You have to know your body. You have to know your mind. You know, you have to be mature enough and, and certain. I don't even like saying confidence because confidence goes away, but you have to be certain what you can do. So when you get it in your ears, you accomplish it, you do it, but you have to train that way. Right. So when I got them, it was almost like, I didn't know I, that's what I was preparing myself for. And literally Angela and I, we were ninth. And then the next year we, we dropped to 12. I got touched. We finished the season third in the nation. Nice is done. Yeah. Six semifinals, one finals. And I could have done it without her. And then I tell everybody, everybody wants to win. It's not that not people don't want to win. It's how do you win? You got to learn how to win with winners. 
yeah. you know, or you're going to have to figure it out and, and learn how to win little by little until you reach somebody that's going to pick you up and teach you how to win at a higher level. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people that don't make it get to a certain level. They take a step up and then they think, wow, I made it. I, I learned everything. They don't literally think they learned everything they can know, but subconsciously they act that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Stop listening and learning. And when you look at the, the, people who are just keep going and going like you mentioned Hayden uh Jake Gibb all these guys they're evolving their game and they're learning stuff constantly um I'm trying to do that with myself and just like learn from my partner learn from my coach and uh, I think people just kind of like hit a plateau of that where they just get over learning yeah I tell my players a lot I was like look do you think that when you that the pros and olympians they played this well because they like okay i don't have to think about it anymore no it's because they can think about everything while they do things you know um i was very fortunate because like i said my mentors in brazil and growing up with my idols and i was very fortunate to when i started training brazil i would come back i would train with misty and carrie and they were winning they were winning but every practice was about no, we need to do this and this better because so-and-so already, you know, is they're learning this. No, we got to do this, this because everybody wants to beat us. We have to do at least one thing different. Playing with Tachi, I was 29, she was 40, and she didn't need to practice hard. She didn't need to do anything. She said, Pri, you worked so hard. Those are like the, the words that I never forget because I grew up watching her play. I never thought in a million years I would play with somebody like her. And she goes, you worked so hard for a team that made me want to work harder, even at the end when I was burned out. And I worked harder to make our team better. And what, what I saw her, like, dying a practice for us and learning and adjusting so we can be a better team, those were my examples. Holly McPeak, one of the hardest workers there has ever been. Yeah. Like, there, you don't see a lot of people working harder than her especially to overcome her size. So I was well taught by watching and also by being able to be around these people and understanding that learning doesn't stop. Change is good. And then I said, either you want to win comfortable or you change to win and you win uncomfortable, you know, or if you stay comfortable, you might lose because nobody wins being comfortable. Well, everything's constantly changing, right? Your opponents are changing throughout your career. Most likely your partner is going to be changing. If you just stay in that narrow mindset, you're you're gonna get left behind for sure. It's, I mean, especially mm-hmm. right now, right? That's what people are dealing with the most is this unforeseen change uh, of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. Those who are open-minded and and willing to kind of change their path and and learn a new way to kind of um, I guess succeed are the ones who are gonna thrive, and ones who are really stuck on their ways are probably not going to because nobody's in control right now and, and you're really never in control in terms of i mean there's way too many factors to, to you can even control your own success because you right. depend on somebody else and you never know who who and how they're going to show up against you yeah you could you could go practice and train and get be the best skills player in the world but you're not a good teammate well the other half of your team's not going to work with you and you're going to lose like I, people just underestimate that so much. They just think that they can go get their reps and, and do their thing right. But like the working really hard 
on a day where your partner's down and showing them rather than just like yelling at them or telling them, bringing them up that way. Like those different little skills that, that the, the winners have to lift their teammates up are the things that, that separate, you know, the good from the great. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something that I try to steal in my girls. It's like, you are not entitled. Um, I don't even say that because I feel like they don't feel entitled, but I, I always remind them, you are signing the NLI. You're verbally committing. What you're saying is not, I worked hard and this is what I deserve. Mm-hmm. It's because you worked hard you're having an opportunity to be in her team or his team. And you're also promising that you do your best for that coach's program, for their school's program. It has nothing to do about you, but you can make an impact. So I try to be like, now that you committed, now you're going to look at the roster and see who you can beat up if you want to play. Right. And then every day I was like, ah, uh, you know, ah, oh, this and this. And I was like, well, when you're in college, you're going to have to do it. So I might as well learn over here you know, get over an argument or being mentally tired. Like I, you know, coaching juniors, when they study school is really tough on them. So they get mentally tired sometimes. And I can't tell when it's like test week or finals. I was like, I get it. We're mentally tired. So push hard mentally so your body can respond and you can still perform really well. So try to teach them these little things. So when they get in college, they by themselves, it's not so overwhelming. Like they have the tools. They just have to remember to use them. I feel like that's that's such a good thing that that I feel like a lot of coaches don't think about how much mental exhaustion school can bring. And then when you get to practice, because beach volleyball is just such a mental game. You're constantly figuring things out that when like kids are just like blank out mentally, which will affect their physical game. I feel like that's such a good thing that you can relate or that you do actively relate on that level. Um, and, but that you don't just let them off the hook that you use it as a challenge. Like, Hey, like, I know you're tired. Like, this is the time, like, this is where we get better. And, uh, we also do club wise and now nationwide we do, uh, we call water and notes. So we always taking notes. I said, your body's going to rest, but your mind is not going to rest because in the game, you don't sit on timeout and you go like, whatever, you know, you need to stay here. So if you learn how to stay here throughout the whole practice and the game is easier, so they go in and take notes. Either I tell them the points or something that I want them to write about individually as aware or as a group, but pretty much they write in about what they did right, what they learned new, and what needs to get better. And then they come back, we talk about it, so then I can, one, I learn how they think, and two, I can help them either make their notes better, their, their thoughts, or I can hold them accountable. I said, didn't you say you're gonna communicate and you're not communicating? <laughs> didn't you say you're gonna yellow? So sometimes it's like, if I know they're not transferring what they wrote, it's like, okay, so now you have to transfer your notes over here. You cannot, your goal is to not have to write about the same thing, you know, so they are applying, they really focus on what they want. So I love that. That's, I love like little tangible things that you can do as a coach to make sure your kids are, are getting better. I feel like holding them accountable for their own stuff is, is so great. Cause I, I mean, you know, you could tell a kid what to do with their platform a thousand times, but until they think it's their idea, it's probably as trouble sticking. Yeah. And you know, working with big groups, I'm not going to speak everybody's languages. So I always throw two to three things a little different. And I ask them when I told you this and this, what did you think about that made it happen? Because you got it. And then they probably thought something else. I was like, so keep that on your notes because that's your cue. 
not my cue. You're learning a new cue through, you know, I was like, make up your own words. I don't care. But that's <laughs> cute. You know, and then, then I'll start talking to them with when I remember their own cue. So I change the cue to whoever I'm talking to. I like it. Like to me, that challenge, I love this. So that's one of my favorite parts. And as a coach, I love having this challenge. Like how can I get to each one of them? And as a group, then they speak my general language, but I can speak specific languages yeah. to get to them. And I know that you're doing uh, something similar with learning with uh, a new, so you have Optimum, but uh, I kind of want to give you some, some time to, to speak about your new venture, uh, Rage for Mastery. Um, it seems like you just get juiced about learning. Like you can just see, look at the smile on your face. Just talking about like what? learning and stuff. <laughs> so not only I love learning, I love sharing knowledge or whatever I learned, because I believe, you know, like when we practice uh, the year after or the year of I was picked up, it was Tachi and I, and then EY and Rachel Scott. She was Walk Holder and, and Mary Sean Scott. And like, they were two, we were three. And we were practice. Like, that was so cool. Because we just challenge each other all the time. So there was no problem. Like, you do you. We do us, you know, and then whenever we had the same coach, that's why we practice a lot together. Okay. But whenever we play, the he wouldn't sit because we knew, you know, like that wouldn't be fair for each team. And then there was team A, team B, whatever. But that was so cool because we got to share. I got to see and share knowledge and call me crazy. But the better my competition gets, I it makes me have to be better. Right. And at that time, they were two, we were three. They didn't mind. Again, I'm learning by seeing and by doing what now I'm doing. So I don't mind. I go in and um, somebody comes and trains with me that I could play in the qualifier where I was playing the main draw. And I'll be like, they, people started coming in and asking, hey, what can I do better? I said, oh, this and this, this and this. It's fine. So I love sharing knowledge. So yeah. So I, during the pandemic, I was like, man, this is. There are similar um, platforms out there, but I really wanted to be specific from Olympic coaches. I'm going to throw in a little bit of my stuff into because I love the mindset and other things like that about the game. But how can I connect Olympic coaches to co college and club coaches? So we're training even better. Like I said, like the programming, I don't think a lot of people programs the way Brazilians program. Yeah. So that would be a great opportunity for them to learn. How do they identify talent? How do they identify talent, uh, uh, plan a season? How do they um, create confidence so they can play? So one of my, one of our, we had one uh, Zoom so far and it was with Pepe and he's from Brazil and he coached Qatar. He was the coach okay. that took Qatar from zero to hero. They're legit now. That's uh, Jefferson. Did he coach Jefferson and uh, Sharif? Yeah, he took them. Yeah, okay. he took Jefferson with him and all that. So I want it, that part of the confidence and what did he do, what type of, you know, either at practice or talking to them. Like that's just, you always wonder, right? Like as a, co as a player, you wonder what's in the Olympic mind, you know, a player's Olympic mind. As a coach, you wonder what it's in Olympic right. coach's mind. So I was like, I want to make that connection. And and that's how we started. We started with one Zoom so far. Uh, we're going to start our series of Zooms and then online courses uh, next year. We're building okay. our platform. Um, it's pretty much connecting Olympic coaches. I have him. I have um, 
nearly a legendary uh, Brazilian coach that is in Spain now, Marcão Chicão, who coached me into top three. And he's been with the Colombia national team. And now he's in Bulgaria as well. And I have right now Chie as well. He, he was my assistant coach who became my head coach. And now he coaches for the Greek, Olymp uh, for the Greek team, national okay. team, the women's right now. Oh, Marcão was also an Olympic coach. He took Greece women's maybe or men's one of the two uh to the 2004 olympics okay um so these are my first first four that i have to share their drills maybe a live uh, of their practices and and specific topics so i'm really excited because i feel like coaches need that and then i want to connect them to players as well awesome and we're really going to cool. develop coaches pros volleyball masses and also you know, specifically junior stuff too. Cause there are a lot of stuff like with juniors that I want to prep them to go to college. Um, there's a lot more um, resources that they can do that, but I want to have these conversations. Like, are you ready? You know, whatever we implement in our practice, then my kids go to college. They're like, I was, how was it? They're like, no training was hard. This was hard, but everything else was fine. I was like, that's all I want to hear. Yeah. You know, like they were ready where before it was like, they were everywhere. They were overwhelmed. You know, they had to get over stuff with me. You know, I was like better with me than everybody else. It's okay if you cry. Like, it's okay. But we're learning, you know, we're learning over here how to deal with things better and we'll move on. Really cool. It's been cool to see all the things that people have come up with during COVID. Um, just like, I feel like a lot of, a lot of people have gotten creative with providing value to the beach volleyball world in various different ways. And so it's cool to see that, uh, that you have a project that you're excited about that I think will, will probably bring a lot of value. Um, and if you want to get in touch with, uh, Marcio, um, I can get you guys in touch cause he's been to a couple Olympics. So I think he, that's right. So his app. Marcio and I played, uh, indoor volleyball for the same club. Really? And I played with his cousin. I've known him since I was 15. <laughs> this world wow. is so small. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was out coaching with him uh, right before we, we hopped on the podcast. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah, no, he's awesome too. He, In fact, my veteran was the one who brought Marcia to the United States with her. Okay. Tachi Mitella. Okay, yeah, he came. really cool. He was her coach, yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, absolutely. I have Marcia. I have a couple other ones um, in mind. Um, I've had this idea for over a year, and then I, I was able to like, how am I going to structure? How are we going to do this? So was during COVID when I wasn't coaching, I was able to be a little bit more creative on how to bring it out. Yeah. Awesome. Good deal. Building. Well, where can, um, if say if we're a player or a coach, how can we get in touch um, with both you optimum rage for mastery? Well, the easiest thing will be, I guess, Instagram, everybody has one. So, and or Facebook, but on Instagram, I am at pre Lima one, three, we got at optimum beach. Uh, and then we got at rage for mastery. Okay. Awesome. And I know it's, I know it's getting late. Uh, so I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, but we do have a, a question. So we used to ask all of our uh, guests this question and then the answers were getting like a little redundant, but then uh, I've actually had a couple emails requesting that we bring it back. Um, so I'm going to ask if, if you, too much pressure. yeah, big pressure here, Pre. So if you had to give one piece of advice uh, to an up and coming beach volleyball player, which you work with plenty, uh, what would that piece of advice be? Get mindful and purposeful, purposeful practices and touches. Okay. Don't get out there and get reps. You're not going to learn. You're not going to retain. Be a student, a learner of the game. I love it. 
and work on your mindset and, and mental, I call mental endurance, not mental toughness. You can be tough for how long you got to endure. Oh, I like that. Is there any, uh, any good like mental practice that, that you have your kids go through? Yes. It's just telling them I, you can't tell when they, I tell them it's not, both of you know, and everybody knows you don't go through a full match of full drill, 1000% focused. You lose one or two moves, right? That's when the focus kind of like you have a glitch is the power of refocusing is going to get you back. So higher level players, they make half a mistake or a, or a mistake, they back. Lower level players, they they like, oh my God, all of a sudden I lost five points. You know, so the that would be something like, I tell them, don't lose two points because you were unfocused, two or three points. Lose two points because you were unfocused, you try to fix and then you make a mistake. Because from that mistake, when you're present and focused, you are aware and you're certain how you can change and make it better. So all my players know they can make mistakes. They, I, we, I really thrive in, in to showing them that they have psychological safety to make mistakes. But I tell them, as long as they're my way, not unthoughtful way. Mm. I, rather, I tell them, I'd rather you turn around, face the pole for us, we face the pole to set, to start with our angles, and miss a thousand times that make it like this, like this, like this, like this. Because right. we can repeat that on purpose. So they learn that the process to get a result instead of result and no process. I like it. So that's mindfully, that's how I, I train them to have an endurance of focus during practice. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Well, Pri, um, thank you tons again uh, for hanging out with us so late over there on the East coast. Great chatting with you. Um, I we still have uh, an acai date. Uh, that we didn't yes. get, that we didn't go on. My apologies. I got back late from FUDS. You know how FUDS is. <laughs> so, it's been so long. So next time, next time I get over to Florida, we will absolutely get a, an acai bowl catch up. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Uh, it's literally an honor to be here. So many incredible players, coaches, just volleyball personas have been with you guys. There are so many out there that you that you could have thought of, and I I feel blessed to be able to be here and be talking to you guys we're honored to have you on pre for sure good to have you thank you well good luck uh have fun coaching and uh hopefully i'll be chatting with you sometime soon yes absolutely and travis don't forget when you come to florida i'll teach you how to pull yes <laughs> I finally finally <laughs> his right, last post is like just come over here let me teach you how to pull already come on. <laughs> Someone, teach me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Shoot. Thanks, Bree. Okay, thank you. Bye. <laughs>